Official radio partner of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. This is the Sports Cage on Sports Radio 620 CKRM. Here's your host, Michael Ball. And however you're listening, wherever you're listening, thanks for making us part of your day. We know you got choices. Thanks for choosing us here at the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. Bit of a different lineup today. Ballsy in the chair, cross the glass for me. Happens to be one of my bosses, Abby. Hi, Abby. I prefer leader over boss. Oh, leader. Okay, leader. Okay, you're my leader. Good. You're wearing the C in the show today. We got a great show in store as always. Uh, lots of guests. Before 5 o'clock, we'll hear from senior advisor Jim Barker of the Toronto Argonauts. He's back with the team. I think it's his fourth stint. We'll ask him what senior advisor means maybe he'd like to be called leader we're going to hear from eric maximick he's the kicker for the regina thunder one of 28 junior football players taking part in a cfl regional combine uh, we're going to hear from farhan lalji and glenn Suter. we'll call it tsn in our five o'clock hour the five o'clock tsn hour we'll talk nfl we'll talk cfl including with suits you know all these nfl quarterbacks are moving all over the place via the trade and and things like that uh, we'll talk about some of the big cfl quarterback moves that one included our own uh, Kerry Joseph back in the day. In our Where Are They Now Wednesday segment, we take a trip down memory lane with Jeff Farrow, and then Abby and I wrap the show up. Little uh, pick six action. We break down six sports topics. One of the topics today has to be Carson Wentz on the move again. Started in Philly, fell out of favor there, went to Indy, cost Indy some high draft picks, didn't work out this year, missed the playoffs, lost to the Jacksonville Jags at the end of the year when they needed to win to get in the playoffs. So he is gone to Washington as the teams swap third and second rounders. So uh, yeah, and this is a day after Russell Wilson moves on from Seattle to Denver. It's funny, when one-star quarterback stays... Aaron Rodgers. The next domino falls. Denver, who is looking at Rodgers, needs a quarterback, so they get Russell. And then Russell's off the market, so okay. Carson Wentz now out, and we'll see what Indianapolis does. With Farhan Lalji, I'm going to play a game called Russ Orr. Russell Wilson or, and we'll get him to choose which quarterback he would pick. This quarterback, or for instance, Lamar Jackson or Russell Wilson. Russell or is what we'll call it. Okay. But first, we want to talk about baseball cards. Man, the industry is white hot. Probably because we've been in a pandemic and, you know, maybe working on your face. My my girlfriend has an aesthetics business, so I know a lot of people are doing that. Maybe uh, redecorating your home. I know a lot of people are doing that. Or maybe adding to your card collection. And, um, uh, Bill Shea from The Athletic, the publication that I subscribe to, and I encourage you to, too. It's a great, great publication. He's got an interesting article uh, on The Athletic about how the cards are being doctored as it relates to the new Cleveland team. They're not the Indians anymore. They're the Guardians. That's right. So it's time now to head out in the Western Pizza Hotline and speak with Bill Shea. All right, Bill, thanks for joining me. I guess first question out of the shoot. Why is the sports card industry, why has it been so white hot? And has it been this way for a while? It's a good question. Um, there was what we call the junk wax era. That was the late 80s, early 90s, when every every teenager was buying cards. They sold them everywhere. Overproduction was rampant. 
boom, the industry implodes mid-90s. Some recovery, big, big noticeable recovery, starting around 2016, I've been told. Um, and then once the pandemic began and people were at home and had some extra income, they weren't spending on gas and going out, uh, a lot of people decided to get back into cards, and it really went into overdrive from there. And, and the industry had developed new marketing tactics and ways of making cards, chase cards and one of one autographs and stuff that, that people wanted. So, um, and the old stuff got, you know, people were selling them for millions of dollars from, you know, stuff from the fifties and stuff. And that attracts people. So it's been white hot for several years now. Bill Shea from the athletic joining us here on the Western pizza hotline. The, uh, the guardians have been added to the tops collection and they haven't even played a game. Yeah, they, they have, uh, this year's 2022 tops cards have, um, throwback borders around them. You know, it yeah. does that occasionally where they're, they, they do the old style. Yeah. Like they bring them back and, and Ramirez and, and Shane Bieber, the, a couple of cards, pictures of them in my story. Mm-hmm. It, it shows, uh, on Ramirez, the guardians across his Jersey. And it's an action shot from last season. And on Bieber, it says Cleveland, um, on the front of his road Jersey, but it's in the, the new typeface for the current team that they rolled out after, after the team season ended last year um so it was a it was a you know a photoshop job um they only had to change half of the word indians i guess but yeah. they did change the whole thing because of the the typeface change as well but there's, there's no big hue and, and outcry but some people have noticed and, and questioned it um I think a lot of people just shrug their shoulders because there is a lot of modern retouching that goes on. Everybody remembers the terribly, uh, you know, photo or uh, airbrushed cards from like the seventies and stuff and in, in different sports cards as well. Um, but, uh, you know, I, some people are like, yeah, this feels kind of weird. I, they didn't have to do this. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, it's not like they were airbrushing out the, the, yeah. you know, chief Wahoo caricature. Um, it, it's changing the typeface. And, and the name on, on some of them. So, and, and we're not sure if that was a baseball decision or a tops decision. They're they're not saying, but they did it, and some people have noticed, and people have varying opinions about it. Are there famous uh, like uh, Photoshop jobs from when technology wasn't as good back in the seventies or eighties that you uh, referenced earlier? Uh, oh yeah, there's uh, one of the more famous ones is uh, Oscar Gamble. Um, a lot of people remember him playing in the '70s and his his cards because he had a, a just huge pristine afro. Um, I think I read it was eight inches tall, um, <laughs> and he uh, you know so he, he was very notable in his pictures with his hat on and his afro is very memorable. And he was traded uh, ironically from Cleveland to the Yankees um, between the '75 and '76 season, so a top traded card. Um, it has a very badly airbrushed uh, Indians hat turned into a Yankees hat with the NY, um, and they added pinstripes on the uniform, and it looks like maybe with like a watercolor paintbrush oh, wow. or a leaky ballpoint pen. <laughs> like, yeah, I mean, it's it's there's sort of a lore around how how bad this and and many this like you can go online and just look up bad. Uh, airbrush baseball cards and there's tons of stories and examples and you know and and in top's defense you know back in the old days it was just a handful of people with very little budget apparently um i've been told they did the best they could with very limited resources um but uh even even in modern cards they still retouch and there's occasional bad jobs where like a, a new uniform name appears like over a hand or an arm or something <laughs> um it, it's sloppiness still works its way through and 
in defense of tops, the the guardians changes. If you didn't know, um, those were from last season. Uh, you know, at glance, they they look pretty good. Bill, with those cards, uh, the ones that are so cheesy and so over the top, would, would they? Would you know if they'd uh, carry some value to them? Um, any more? Any old card like pre eighties? It seems. Um, that's in really like top notch condition that might have something interesting about it, like an Oscar gamble or something like that. Or like the, the nineteen eighty nine uh Billy Ripkin, um, which has uh a, a foul expression on the knob of the bat that appears in the first run of those cards. Mm-hmm. Um those are those are selling for a few hundred bucks. Um when just a few years ago you could get one for like five bucks on eBay. Yeah. Um yeah, that that that's part of the card demand. Um, but yeah, it, it, the 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 prices on cards, especially the graded like mint or near mint, perfect old cards. Um, that's what people will pay, and man, people are really willing to pay a lot of money. Do you have any sports stuff that you collect, cards or jerseys or anything like that, Bill? Um, I have a handful of, of cards. There's a. I'm here in Detroit, and there's actually a a company called Phantom Cardboard that creates cards. Like using old, like notable logo and you know styles of cards out of like movie characters and, and things like that. Um, you know, I have a a, a, a L.A. Rams card of of quarterback Joe Pendleton, and oh. he was that's uh, from the movie I think was Heaven Can Wait. Um, right. That yeah, and and some others that are just personal to me. Like you know, one of my favorite players of all time is Boog Powell, and he played for the Indians for a couple years in the seventies, and I like Kenny Stabler. So I have like his rookie, and I'm a Browns fan. So I have a, just a, a handful of like I have an autogram from the '50s and Bernie Kosar's rookie. But you know that's because I'm from Cleveland. Um, but not a whole lot. Um, I, I am kind of interested when the XFL and the USFL start. They will have cards. I'll probably buy those just because it's something weird and different. And they'll probably um, fold. They'll probably fold. And they'll probably fold right away. So they might be worth something down the line. <laughs> Hey, yeah. hey, uh, could, could be. I have a Gret- I had a Gretzky rookie card. I'm not even joking. And I wanted to be the cool nine year old on the block. So I stuck this sucker in my spokes and drove around. You know how it made on your bike wheel? Yeah. Brrr, right? Sound like a motorcycle? Boy, that was, as a guy in radio, that was tactically the wrong move. Now all I'm left with are radio station t shirts and coffee mugs. And I could have been on Dream Street. <laughs> not to say that it would have been, uh, uh, it would have been in min condition, but a hell of a lot better than sticking it in your Spokes. Hey, does a lockout affect interest in the card industry, do you think? Um, that's a really good question. I, I, it's hard to say because this is our, our first labor stoppage in baseball or capital stoppage in this case. Um, you know, since 94, 95, we're in a completely different world. We have social media now. And when that strike took place, that, that you know, contributed um, – to the to that junk wax era mm-hmm. imploding, um, they had overproduced cards. They weren't playing. People were mad at the game. Um, people come back. Um, I think now, if it if it you know because things are so white hot, so many people speculate on cards, and the demand is there. Um, 
if it if it did have a negative effect, it would maybe go from white hot to red hot. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it's a matter of of degrees. Yeah. As long as people are are paying this these sums of money, and people see them as potential lottery tickets. It'll it'll stay pretty hot. Plus, you know, there's basketball and football and hockey and you know all the game cards and things like True. that that also are part of the industry, and those are selling pretty good too. Lastly, uh, Bill Shea from the Athletic, do you think we'll even see baseball this year? What are your thoughts? Oh man, that's a that's a good question. I think we do, um, but I'm not sure if we get a full season in. Um, yeah, this has been you know a, a, a recreational owners strike on their part. You know, it's who's going to blink first. The players seem sure committed to to sticking this out. So I think the owners eventually blink simply because you know a couple of years ago when we had the 60 game season, a lot of those teams took out hundred million dollar loans just to meet expenses. They need people in the stands. You know, even if they're a billionaire, they don't want some money losing piece of their public portfolio um, to, to drain further cash. So I think it happens, but I don't know that we're going to get a full season. But I could be wrong. Hopefully I am. What Bill meant is billionaires don't stick valuable hockey cards or sports cards in spokes of bikes and drive around to sound <laughs> cool. That's what he meant. Hey, this guy's Bill Shea from The Athletic. What a great writer. Check out his work there. Thanks for this, Bill. Have a great day. You too. Thanks. Where Saskatchewan sports fans come to talk. This is the Sports Cage on Sports Radio 620 CKRM. And this is the Sports Cage for this Wednesday on 620 CKRM. Wherever you're listening, thanks for making us part of your day. Uh, The show is brought to you by Spreads.ca. Finding excellent online betting shouldn't be a gamble. Spreads.ca is Canada's premier online betting destination thanks to them for getting on board and all our guests come to you via the western pizza hotline dinner time game time anytime is a great time to order western pizza ask your local western pizza location about their specials joining me on the hotline is one of the up-and-coming football players in regina eric maximuk kicker for the regina thunder uh first off your favorite pizza what's your favorite pizza eric if you have to sit down and eat one pizza for the rest of your life what is it Oh boy, um, I don't know. I like lots of stuff on pizza, so some sort of vegetarian or Canadian or something with, I guess, with meat and vegetables on it. So okay, you got to get all your not food, totally sure. Get all your food groups. Do you like? Are you a pineapple on pizza guy? I can live with it. I got no problem with it. Eric, we were going to be buddies until then. Come on. (laughs) You already had one strike against you because you were a kicker, and then you got now the pineapple thing. What hockey team do you cheer for? Oh, uh, been a Bolts fan and a Flames fan for quite a while. Oh, man. Like, okay, Tampa I I can live with, but I don't like – I'm an Oiler fan, and you like the Calgary Flames. Man, I was trying to be a fan of Eric – Maximuk, but now you're making it very difficult. But I am going to root you on coming up here next weekend. The uh, regional combine, your chance to uh, show your wares at a combine. Have you been specifically training for this combine? And if so, how have you been doing it? Uh, yeah, a little bit. Um, we found out about it earlier in January before it was sort of publicly announced. So once that was kind of known and I was setting confirmed and ready to go for it i definitely sat down changed my training plan that i originally had going forward earlier in january and sort of specified it for 
uh, like preparing for the combine, I guess. So mm-hmm. kind of moving towards getting myself as sort of explosive and fast as I can. Um, I mean, I'm more trying to prep for my kicking parts during the combine, mm-hmm. but I also want to make sure I'm showing up strong and, you know, have a, be able to put a decent vertical and broad jump down because I think those are some that uh, tests that definitely translate for me the best. So those are kind of what I, that's kind of how I've approached it and so far feeling so good. You didn't uh, start as a kicker in football. You were a soccer player, but tell us the interesting story on how you became a kicker in the game of football, our version of football, not the English version of football. (laughs) Yeah, so it kind of happened in high school. Um, I've always sort of been watching football and whatever growing up, but never got into RMF and Regina or anything. Um, And then in high school, I had one of my buddies, I'm still good friends with he kind of suggested like he knew I had a pretty big leg and whatever from soccer because he played soccer also and he suggested I come you know meet the coach and stuff in uh just before grade 10 so I was like yeah sure let's do it um and he our coach Dean Cruz was a real good guy and he he really sort of took me under the wing uh at first for starting out with kicking and punting and everything and that's kind of where it all came from so sort of a bit of friendly help from a buddy and then, you know, some good coaching and stuff to start out. And now we're here, I guess. Yeah, and that is Dean Coos, who's a former Rams kicker, coach of the uh, Miller Marauders. That's where you went to high school. W- what do you like better, soccer or the, the real version of football? Uh, <laughs> you know, now I got to say, uh, you know, American football, of course. Yeah. Um, but... Growing up, like, I always loved playing soccer, and I was a goalie and stuff, and that was kind of the first dream, but as that kind of fizzled out, you know, football kind of replaced it, so I'm not too upset about that in any way. A lot of differences or similarities. I know the balls are different. Obviously, you're kicking both. Uh, is there some things you can take from soccer to football or vice versa? Um, yeah, like, it. there's some slight adjustments. I mean, of course, the balls being different, you got to hit a football a little higher up when your place kicking you got you got the sweet spots a lot smaller you can't hit it exactly the same but anyone who can kick a soccer ball can easily move towards a football it's just a slight adjustment to really mechanics and once you get that down it's really not that hard it doesn't take too much after that so is it is it Besides the diff, uh, distance, is your approach to kicking a a fifty-one yarder as opposed to a thirty-yarder any different? Try to make it not to be. I mean, you know, when you're in those positions, you you know you got the leg, so you don't want to put any extra pressure on yourself trying to, you know, put anything extra in it that you normally wouldn't. But mm-hmm. you definitely try and hit it the same every time, and you hope your operation runs the same and no issues from anything else going on happens and it makes it a lot easier too. How do you feel when your coach Scott McCauley, uh, you know, puts you as kind of a face of one of the next guys that can play at the next level? He's said many times, this Maxima kid is going to play in the CFL. How does that make you feel when you hear that? Well, it's definitely an honor. I, I've, you know, 
been sort of working towards it. And, you know, we've had the, our guys throughout the years who have always been sort of big-name players. And, you know, I like to think that I'm starting – I'm now going into my last year. I, I can kind of say that I'm now one of our face of the team kind of guys. And, you know, especially after last year, people sort of know who I am before coming to the games, not just finding out during the game or something like that. So, you know, it's definitely an honor to be one of those guys. And, you know, I'm definitely pretty happy to be, you know, picking up that from the likes of Furland a couple of years ago and other guys, even, you know, the Dan Clarks from 10 years ago or so or anything like that. Yeah, Clark, uh, Waldo, Getzlaff, Stu Ford. There's a, a bunch of guys that have come through that program for sure. There are 28 CJFL guys taking part in regional or national combine, so that's great and great for you, Eric Maximuk, in his form in his uh, final year as kicker for the Regina Thunder. You came on the scene with a very big kick, a 51 yarder against the Toppers up in Saskatoon to end their long streak of beating you guys consecutively. Talk about that kick. Did you know when it left your foot? It was going through take me through that play uh yeah well it was one of those uh sort of times in the game where you know it's we're running down we have the ball clock's running down we needed we knew kind of where we needed to get to and i think the play before we were two or three yards further back but the, the extra few yards we were able to get to get to the 44 yard line really helped and i knew our quarterback Carter Shuchak he was struggling with cramps like he could barely walk by the end of the game and that last drive was hard on him so you know I knowing that once they got me into where I needed to be I just had to do my job and just like we were saying earlier it's try and make it the same kick as every other and yeah I definitely knew snap was good hold was perfect and the second I sort of touched it with my foot it came off perfectly and I was fairly sure it was going through. It's kind of like a. Do you remember much after that? It's kind of like a golf swing. Hey, you swing through. You know it's a great swing. Do you remember much after the kick? Uh, a lot of cheering. A lot of the uh, our team crowding and rushing the field. Players who weren't dressed and everything. So it, it was quick. It didn't. It kind of happened. It feels like when I think back to it, you know, I can kind of think about what happened. And during the moment, it felt kind of slow in a way. Uh, but thinking back, it was just like kick got crowded around. Everyone's cheering and celebrating. And, you know, and then there's a couple of interviews after. And like it feels like it happened so fast. But in the moment, it definitely felt slowed down. Okay, Eric Maximuk, what's it look like? Uh, where's the combine and what do things look like for you? I will be in Edmonton in about a week and a half, so that'll be exciting. I kind of know what I'm going to be, where exactly it is. Uh, our special teams coach used to be uh, coaching for the Eskimos, so he knows and he's kind of filled me in best I can, so I can be as prepared as possible. So that's also pretty exciting. And uh, yeah, I don't know. We're as prepared as we can be. There's not much more I can do going forward so just want to make sure the body's ready and healthy for a week and a half from now well this guy could be a household name one day in the cfl maybe he certainly is on the radar for pfc fans the kicker the veteran kicker in his sixth and final year with the regina thunder eric maximic former miller marauder good luck buddy thank you
The Sports Cage is your locker room pass. We're talking riders on Saskatchewan Sports Radio, 620 CKRM. Michael Ball in the chair here on the Sports Cage and you Sports Cage shareholders, a.k.a. the listeners. You can always text us at 936-6262. It's our text line brought to you by Capital Ford Lincoln, Saskatchewan's number one Ford dealership. One question I want you to answer, you can weigh in on anything. Who made out better recently? The Denver Broncos with Russell Wilson, the Seattle Seahawks for the haul they got by trading Russell Wilson to Denver, the Packers for re-signing Aaron Rodgers, the four-time MVP to $153 million guaranteed, or the Washington Commanders today who have come in with uh, a trade for Carson Wentz for draft picks coming over from Indy. We'll talk about that with Farhan Lalji uh, about... Uh, 520 today. Your text welcome at 936-6262. Like I said, our text line brought to you by Capital Ford, Lincoln, Saskatchewan's number one Ford dealer. Just before we get to our next guest, we want to recognize our sports cage clutch performer, Wayne Gretzky and Gordy Howe. No, they're not our clutch performers, but those are the only two names ahead of Alex Ovechkin on the NHL's all-time goals list. Ovi made it into a tie for third with Yarmer Yager last night, scoring twice as Washington came from behind in the third period for a 5-4 win over the Calgary Flames. Some other sports to get to before we get to our guest. I want to tell you about curling. Matt Dunstone lost for the first time today as he fell to uh, Botcher and Team Canada. So he is 6-1, still atop his uh, Pool A. Also in Pool A is Colton Flash and the Saskatchewan Force, and they hammered UConn uh, Territories 12-3. Saskatchewan plays Newfoundland and Labrador tonight. They're 4-2, and two, and is Catlin Schneider, the former U of R Ram, who's on that team, the third. He said, we need to run the table, Ballsy, to make the playoffs. So good luck to the Flash rink. And the Habs at Vancouver. The Oilers are home to Washington, taking on the Capitals. McDavid said, we're in playoff mode now. They better get going. All right, let's head out on the Western Pizza Hotline. All our guests come to you via the Western Pizza Hotline. Uh, dinner time, game time, anytime. A great time to order Western Pizza. Pizza, ask your local Western Pizza location about their specials. Senior advisor with the Toronto Argonauts, Jim Barker, joining us. How are you, Jim? Doing great, Ballsy. How are you doing? Good. Are you wearing a suit like you did on TSN, or are you just relaxed now in some uh, Argo sweatpants? I actually moved my suits back to the back closet, so uh, they'll be on the they'll be on the mothballs for a bit. I'm, gonna... uh, I'm excited to be back with Toronto. Yeah, we'll talk about that in a second. I want to wrap up the TV thing. You got more comfortable, I thought, as the season went on. But you always looked uncomfortable in the suit. Am I right by that? You're absolutely bang on. It's Actually, the whole TV thing is a lot harder than it looks. And, you know, you, you got people talking in your ear and they're you know, you're trying to say something that's relevant, but then there, there's time things, and it you know it's, it was uh, it was a, a great learning experience for me. I, I I worked with great people. I mean, Kate and Matt and Milt and Davis, uh, and then Jamie um, Rydell, the, the the producer and Troy. It was all just a great group of people to work with. It, you know, it was, uh, and that I'm going to miss. I'm going to miss the relationships that develop because it's your your own little team when you're, you know, the TSN group is, it's their own little team and putting together as great a program as they possibly can to make things exciting and 
create some, you know, people talking uh, uh, about the CFL, which is which is what it's all about. Yeah, Jim, and I thought you did a great job. But uh, you know, did you get a did you get an appreciation of what us in the media have to do? You know what I mean? Like it's it's one thing to be on the other side of it and answer questions, maybe stupid questions uh, you thought were stupid, and and maybe you didn't. Uh, I don't want to say you didn't respect the media, but you know what I mean. Did you get a different idea of what we're trying to do on this side? I did. I did to a point. But the thing is, is even though I was in the media, I never called people I knew trying to get I didn't want them I know how I feel sometimes where I get uptight talking to people in the media because you're afraid if you say something and it leaks out and it shouldn't and you know it's just it, it's just such a so I never I made a point not to I never talked football with any of my football friends um, that are in in the CFL I just felt it was I didn't want to, I, you know, I, I have a lot of things that I see and then I, I want to make my own opinions on, but I never wanted anybody to think, wow, maybe I shouldn't have said that to him or something like that. So those kind of things, yeah, it, it, was, uh, it was a new thing for me. Um, but, I, you know, like I tried to, I tried to learn and I, I had great people to learn from and, and uh but yeah, I do have an appreciation for what you guys have to do in, in terms of creating, first creating the content and then getting it into a time frame that works so that the people who need the commercials or when it's time to cut, that you, you're, you're off the air, but you've gotten your thought through. And, uh, you know, those, those things are not as easy as they look. This is Jim Barker, who is the senior advisor for the Toronto Argonauts, and we will uh, definitely uh, talk about uh, the Argonauts and, and everything going on there. Hey, everything going on in the NFL right now. We got Russell Wilson going from uh, from uh, Seattle over to Denver for a Hall of Players, and then today Carson Wentz falls out of favor with his second team, and that's really got to be bad in Indy because, you know, Frank Reich lobbied for him. They gave up a first-round uh, pick, and uh, and there was the tie with the whole Philly connection. So there must be something going on there. But he goes to the Washington Commanders, 27 touchdowns, seven interceptions. He does have some brain cramps once in a while. He, he makes some mistakes. He's, he's uh, you know, injury prone too. So that's a knock against him. But I think Washington becomes better. But where I'm going with this is we don't see a lot of quarterback trades generally on both sides of the border. Generally, when you get a quarterback, you hang on to that guy. I want to take you back to December of 2011 when Eric Tillman gets rid of Ricky Ray, sends him your way. Were you surprised Ricky Ray was in play coming over from Edmonton? This guy was, uh, he was, uh, you know, uh, all-world player with the with the then Esks. He's a, up for five-time MVP with that team. Were you surprised when that phone call came, or or how did that come about? Well, you know, I had I had worked with Eric, so I knew a little about players he liked and the way he liked to build teams. So to say I was surprised at the call, I don't think I was surprised. Um, you know, it was anytime you trade quarterbacks. I think one of the one of the things trading quarterbacks, you know, can make you uh, can make you a star. It can get you fired, <laughs> and it's usually there's not much in between. It's it's uh, you know, and some work out and some don't. 
and uh, it's the it's the trade that everybody always remembers. Um, so I think that's why you don't see as many of them. I do think they take a lot of they take a lot of work in terms of what is enough compensation. What's enough compensation for Russell Wilson, who is a what nine time Pro Bowler? Mm-hmm. Um, is he at the end or is he not at the end? And if you're the Seattle Seahawks, you're, it's, it looks like they released Bobby Wagner right afterwards. Like they're just pushing the reset button and starting over. And there's no better way to do it than with a whole bunch of draft picks and a, a lot of cap room and, and that type of thing. So they'll be ready for free agency and be able to, you know, potentially get some get some players that they want and that type of thing, but they're basically resetting. Mm. Without a quarterback, without an established quarterback, it's uh, you know, it's 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 not a fun business to be in. I I'll just tell you that. Yeah. Do you remember uh, do you do you remember who you do you remember who you gave up for Ricky Ray? What you gave up for Ricky Ray? Do you remember, Jim? Uh okay, I gave I I gave up um Grant Shaw. Yep. Who at the time strong legged Canadian kicker? I gave up Stephen Giles. I knew he was a key part to the trade because Eric Eric liked him a lot. I gave up a couple draft picks and or maybe one draft pick. You're right. One yeah. draft. You're, you're right. One draft pick. A first rounder that ended up being used an offensive lineman Austin Pastor who never made it to the CFL. He went and played eight years in the NFL. So that was a pretty good trade for Jim Barker. I would say Jim Barker won that trade hands down because the Argos would go on to win the Grey Cup in 2012. That was the second year in a row a home team had won a Grey Cup, and then the Riders would make it three for three the next year. Jim Barker, are you? Are you old enough to be called a senior advisor? And what the heck does that mean with the Toronto Argonauts? Well, what that means is I think Pinball is he's just such a, a wonderful, wonderful person and I think he felt he wanted he wanted me to come in and basically bring a little bit of experience and things that I had had. The Argos have been a big, big part of my life, obviously. I was I was there for seven years this time, and I was there three years the first time, uh, you know, as an assistant, as a head coach, and had had a lot of different roles. And I think he just felt like, well, senior advisor is just way better than coming in as, you know, an advisor. So <laughs> I think that's why I got the – I didn't even – it didn't matter to me. I'm, I'm getting to do the things I love doing, which are putting a team together and dealing with the personalities and, you know, Vince Magri, who's the assistant GM and has done a fantastic job there. He, I hired him as a video guy back in uh, 2012 and, and uh, he's, he, he's worked his way up and, you know, that's one of the things that I'm, I'm proud of is a lot of the, the youngsters that have, that came in working under us and, have moved on, and Chris Rossetti's currently with the Dolphins, and Curtis Ruckavina's with the Buffalo Bills. Ted Gavaya with uh, is with Winnipeg, obviously. And you know, watching those guys go and have success, it, it it's that that to me brings me as much joy as watching you know uh, a trade like Ricky Ray win us a Grey Cup. I mean, it's 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 uh, and that's kind of what I'm going to be doing with the Argos is. Working with people and trying to trying to pass on. I 
because I can kind of help on the coaching side because I've done that, mm-hmm. and on the uh, and on the personnel side because I've done that, and have a lot of contacts. And so, um, you know, hopefully I can help um, bring another great cup back to Toronto. You know, sometimes they say great, like superstar players don't often transition to be. Um, Great coaches, because they can do things that other people can. For instance, off the top of my head, Wayne Gretzky was never a spectacular coach. Magic Johnson was never a spectacular coach. Larry Bird was one of the guys that was a good coach. And Ron Linecaster turned out to be a great player and a great coach. Where I'm going with this is Ryan Dinwiddie wasn't a superstar player. Yes, he was serviceable. He was uh, he, he played pretty well uh, thrown into the role in the Grey Cup against the Riders in 2007. But he's a guy that had to scrape and claw and and do everything he could to stay in professional football. How much do you think that helps a guy like that become the head coach that he's becoming now? Uh, I think it helps a lot. And, and I think Ryan is on his way to a, a fantastic career. And he's very, very similar to another guy I had, that uh, Martin Scott Milanovic. Uh, they're, they're both similar in that they were both quarterbacks. They were never... They never, you know, Scott was, he was the first player we took in the XFL draft, but he was, you know, he played behind Tommy Maddox. He was always a backup in the NFL. And, uh, you know, Ryan was, had a lot of the same kind of, of thing, but both of them are, they're, they're both so bright and so smart in terms of understanding the game. And they've seen it through a quarterback's eyes. One of the things I think about quarterbacks being head coaches is when you're a quarterback and you throw an interception, if you let that eat on you for a quarter or two quarters, your team loses for a quarter or two quarters. You have to be able to turn it off and get it going again. And that's one thing I noticed in Scott and I see in Ryan, is they have that ability to – okay, I, I made a mistake, and now I, I'm, we move on and we move to the next thing. So, uh, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a very difficult business, and uh, I think it takes a certain personality type. And both of those guys, like I say, were, were quarterbacks, which I think helps them in terms of the leadership and understanding how to get through to different types of players. Because when you're the quarterback, you deal with offensive linemen who are one personality, wide receivers, running backs. It's just a different it's a different mentality dealing with all those people and I think that helps a quarterback in in becoming a head coach. Jim Barker joining us, senior advisor for the Toronto Argonauts for a couple more quick minutes here. Thanks for joining us, Jim. We appreciate it coming to us on the Western Pizza Hotline. So the USFL is firing up. Uh, maybe the XFL. I know you were a part of the XFL. Actually, I think won a championship with the XFL with Los Angeles back in the day. Uh, people are concerned. The only, the yeah, only, the only championship. That's right. That's absolutely right. And so... Uh, you know, I'm a I'm a patriot. I love Canada. I love the Canadian Football League. I love the NFL. There are only two leagues that stood the test of time. The NFL and the CFL. Now, I think we'll always be able to find American players. But the recipe hasn't changed in this league, Jim. Quarterbacking, Canadians. Put you over the top. Unless I'm missing something here. So, if we were to lose quality Americans to this league, the USFL or XFL, if they, if they somehow survive, which I'm skeptical on... 
what about adding more Canadians to the roster? Like I, we talk, we hear so much about, well, Canadians, it's, it's getting better here. They're catching up. But then I hear other people saying, well, the depth isn't there. What a, I think there is room to add two more Canadians to the active roster. And I think it would do so much good for the game. Cause you know what? You're a football guy, but the guy in section 502, he's not going to know the difference if he's really not going to know the difference between a U of S Husky or a guy that came out of div two Mississippi. I want your thoughts on that. Yeah. Well, I'm a, a, again, I love the Canadian football league and it's, I love the ratio and I, I love that part of it. The one thing I think having a, a number of Canadian players does is there are very few small towns in Canada that don't have at least one person who has gone on and played in the CFL. And that, to me, helps keep the, the touch of the CFL broad. I just believe that, that keeping that, that ratio, again, does it have to be seven starters? Maybe, maybe three of them should be on defense or two of them on defense or you mandate things like that. But maintaining that, to me, is so important because of what I just said. I, I just think that it gives youngsters something to look forward to that, that shoot, he, he did it from this town. I can do it from this town. And, again, it's, it's, uh, it's the thing I love the most about the Canadian Football League is the ratio and, and how you manage it and where you, where you deci- how you decide to, to, to take your roster and make it as good as it possibly can be. Because, obviously, there's not as many Canadian players as there are American players. Right. The USFL, the XFL, those things are – they'll – Again, the USFL, I'll believe it when I see it makes it a full season. I just, I do, I'm just not sold that it will. Um, but if it does, great. But the players they have there are guys that would be battling for spots in this league. There aren't a lot of guys you could say, well, that guy could come here and be a starter. Mm-hmm. I mean, Shea Patterson was the first guy taken in their draft, and Shea's been kicking around our league for a couple years and hasn't, hasn't seen the field much. So I think there's a lot of guys like that, guys who are they're good enough to knock on the door. You don't know whether they're going to be able to be good enough to ever play in our league. The USFL is basic. It was the spring league in the past, and players paid to play in it. So they've, they've renamed it to, to, to try to get people thinking about the old uh, Donald Trump days when he had the New Jersey Generals. and Yeah. Herschel Walker and all of that. Jim Kelly, reality, Reggie White, all those guys, yeah. yeah. There was a ton of them. And they used to bid, they, they were trying to outbid the NFL back in those days. But, mm-hmm. but in reality, it's the Spring League that was last year. And, I, you know, they played in different, different locations and players paid to play in the league. And it was a five week or four week season. You played two or three games and, you know, it was that's what it was, and that's that's what the USFL is now trying to evolve into being a league. But you're going to have Pittsburgh playing Detroit, and they're going to be playing the game in Birmingham. Every game is going to be in Birmingham. Yeah, all players are going to be in Birmingham. So 
Are you going to be able, I was just talking to somebody else about this today, are you going to be able to develop a fan base when you do that? Is, are people in Pittsburgh, do they care what their Pittsburgh team does when they never have a chance to go and watch? No. Um, that's a good point. Yeah, that's a good point. So, that's a good point. Hey, Jim, this was great. I can't wait. We can talk again down the road. Uh, I really like your insight. And, uh, yeah, it was uh, it was awesome chatting with you. You've got a wealth of knowledge up there, uh, you know, of course, because you're a senior advisor. Thanks, Jim Barker. I, pre- I appreciate your time, okay? I love Regina. Thanks. That's Jim Barker on the Western Pizza Hotline. When we come back, we got ourselves a sports ticker. Uh, this is the Sports Cage for Spreads.ca on 620 CKRM. It's time to step into the radio octagon. You're tuned to the Sports Cage on Saskatchewan Sports Radio, 620 CKRM. And when I hear that song, Sandstorm, I think of the sandstorm I drove through in Dubai back in January. This uh, sports ticker brought to you by Bronco Plumbing and Heating, where professional service is guaranteed. They'll treat you right. 781 2090. ESPN's Adam Schefter first to report that the Indianapolis Colts are indeed trading 29 year old quarterback Carson Wentz to the Washington Commanders. By the way, that's a terrible name. In exchange for a package of picks, they'll swap third and second rounders. Uh, they're also taking uh, uh, all of uh, Wentz's contract. Uh, The deal comes less than a year after the Colts acquired Wentz from the Philadelphia Eagles for a 2022 first-round pick and a 2021 third-round selection. Now, he's going to be better for Washington. They they were, eh, you know, I forget who their quarterback was. Oh, the, what is his name? Oh, top of my head. Anyway. Um, I guess I could Google it, but too much on the go here. Anyway, they have a great receiver. They got a couple of good running backs, a good tight end, and this guy will come in there, and uh, he will help Washington win. He had 27 touchdowns and seven interceptions. His problem is is he has a brain cramp or two, but he's the second-best quarterback in that division now as uh, he's behind... uh, Dak Prescott. So there you go. And it'll be, it's going to come down to whoever stays the healthiest. Prescott with the Cowboys, Carson Wentz with the Washington Commanders. On the Briar Sheet in Lethbridge, it is a Dunstone, is 6 and 1. Now, Matt Sarink, the wildcard team number two from Saskatchewan, lost his first to Team Canada and Botcher uh, earlier today, 8 to 7. Now, Saskatchewan skipped by Colton Flash, hammered Yorkton, and the Territories 12 to 3. So Saskatchewan plays Newfoundland and Labrador very much in the mix there at 4 and 2. In the NHL, we've got uh, three Canadian teams on the ice. The Habs are taking on Vancouver. Now, the Canucks have one of the best winning percentages since uh, Bruce Boudreaux took over from Travis Green behind the bench. And the Montreal Canadiens are playing really inspired hockey now that Martin St. Louis is the coach. And St. Louis, uh, he didn't have any coaching experience except for, I think, a U. I want to say a U13 team before this. He steps in behind the bench, and they've been playing better to, to the point where they're going to screw up maybe getting the first overall pick in this year's NHL draft. And the Edmonton Oilers are home to the Washington Capitals coming off that 5-4 come-from-behind victory over the Calgary Flames yesterday. Not an easy place to play as the Flames are red hot. They cooled off Calgary last night. Ovechkin had two goals, like I said, in our clutch performer segment. Uh, the Oilers captain, Connor McDavid, said, we're in playoff mode now. We got to win. We're on the outside looking in, and they definitely are. Uh, Tiger Woods, his uh, 14-year-old daughter, Samantha, is going to introduce him tonight at the World Golf Hall of Fame. Now, I don't know. Do they get a jacket? I'm not sure. Whatever they get or a club, give that guy a whole set. He, he definitely 
is golf, was golf, will be golf for a while. Western Hockey League, Calgary's at Brandon, Lethbridge at Saskatoon, Medicine Hat entertains Edmonton, Vancouver's on the road at Spokane, and Portland is in Victoria. The SJHL just kind of on the downward uh, slide here for the regular season. The playoffs fire up next weekend, and we'll talk a lot of SJHL hockey next week. And, um, Did you hear about this? Deion Sanders, primetime, played for the Braves, played for the Atlanta Falcons, the San Francisco 49ers, the Dallas Cowboys. As I welcome in our program director and operator for the show, Abby White. So, Abby, were you a Deion fan when you watched him play? Absolutely. What an He was a lockdown corner, could return kicks and everything like that. I'm not going to lie to you. I mean, I don't like to see anybody with misfortune, but he seems to have lived a pretty good life. So when he has to overcome some adversity, I, it makes me feel good about my life, Abby. Uh, did you know this? Deion Sanders has had foot trouble since he played. He just had two toes amputated on his left foot, his big toe and then the toe right next to that. And it's all documented on his new online show, Coach Prime. So Deion Sanders won't be any doing any of that fancy dancing in the end zone. No, I feel bad for him, though. That's... Yeah. Uh... That sucks. That, that uh, stubbing your toes one thing, losing, losing two of them. Yeah, losing two of them on the same foot is is uh, certainly uh, not very good. And federal agents seized counterfeit Super Bowl rings. The rings had a street value, Abby, of like the the real rings or the Wh- counterfeit. What did ones? the counterfeit rings have a street value of, Abby? That I don't know. Whatever Dan Marino was willing to pay for them. Ah, ah Dan Marino. We'll talk about him. Bummed. We'll talk about him. I'm here all week. Enjoy the veal. Uh, we'll talk about that as Abby and I break down the top six sports stories as well, picked by me, coming up just after six. It's the t- another pick six after six. But coming up after five o'clock, we'll get to some of your texts on who made out with regards to uh, the Broncos, the Seahawks, the Commanders, and the Packers. Who did better? And we're going to hear from Farhan Lalji of TSN. This is the Sports Cage for Spreads.ca on 620 CKRM. Nobody covers your team like our team. This is the Sports Cage on the mighty 620 CKRM. Michael Ball in the big chair here. Corner of 12th and Rose, wherever you're listening today and however you're listening. Thanks for making us part of your day. Tell all your friends. 936-6262 is the number to text. And our text line is powered by Capital Ford Lincoln, Saskatchewan's number one Ford dealership. We have a little bit of time here. If you want to call in, too, you can use that same number. 936-6262 in town. Toll free, out of town, 1-866-767-0620. We took a call from John... Uh, yesterday, and I uh, haven't taken too many calls uh, since the end of the football season, so I gotta brush up on that skill. So uh, help me out if you uh, do want to weigh in on some things. Like I said, the question I was asking today on our text line: Who made out better in the NFL, the Broncos, the Seahawks, the Packers, or Commanders? We'll get to that in a second. We want to tell you that our show is brought to you by Spreads.ca. Find the uh, finding excellent online betting shouldn't be a gamble. Spreads.ca is Canada's premier online betting destination. I just signed up. It's easy. You got some perks to sign up. And, uh, yeah, I may uh, dabble a little bit tonight and uh, pick my Oilers over the Capitals. I'm a torture for losing money. I try to hit it big with the Oilers, but it's not working out. Actually, I bet against them the other day, which is almost kind of sacrilegious, but I knew the Flames were going to knock them off. Um, Also, wanted to uh, get to some of the uh, texts and emails we got now. 
I'm going to address this vaguely. It was yesterday, but like our politicians, I think our politicians need to step forward and admit when maybe they weren't 100% right. When Elon Musk comes out, the guy who's in charge of Tesla and says, you need to produce more oil, then maybe our leaders should look at it. But the guy in the United States and the guy in Ottawa refused to do that, and that's why you can only make it to the end of your block without giving your left kidney at the gas station because it's 178.9 unless you can find it cheaper, okay? So it's time for them to, hey, desperate times, call for desperate measures, and maybe change up your strategy a bit. Yesterday, I went on uh, at 4.30ish, and I, I offended one listener, and generally the way we work in this business, if you got one person liking you, you, you probably can say there's maybe 10 or 12, and it might work the other way too. So I wanted to address this. It, it had to do with the fact that the U of S Huskies men's basketball coach, Barry Rollick, resigned over music being played during practice. Now, the only thing I would change about the rant is this. Of course I'm all for inclusion, diversity, and equity at the university and in life in general. I was kind of condescending when I was saying it, just to be sarcastic, to point out how ridiculous, uh, ridiculous it was to force a guy out because of the music. The only thing I would say, I, I said people who run universities are soft as puppy poo and spineless. Not everybody that's in a power of authority at the university is that way. So maybe I would have changed my verbiage. But I've talked to coaches and players that say it is getting more and more difficult because of the mentality at various universities. Not any one in particular, but just in general. But come on, let's, let's be honest here. Back to my original thing. The dude, no locker room I've been in, and I've been in lots as a player, as a coach, and as a guy in the media. No coach picks the music. You heard Dave Taylor on our show yesterday. He said, I, the only music I pick is in my car. I get to pick the music in my car. The, the, the players pick the music. I know when Scott Schultz played, he told me he picked the music. And then, let's say, um, I don't know, Kitwana Jones picked the music one day. Like, that's how it goes. And the coach really doesn't have a say. So there's got to be more to this. And can we have a world where, yes, Michael Ball's a little rough around the edges, and I come, you know, maybe you're not used to that here on CKRM. I'm a passionate dude, but I have my thoughts. You have your uh, thoughts. It doesn't mean that I'm totally right, and it doesn't mean that you're totally right. Can we not meet in the middle? Yes, I was the guy that used the word idiot, and, and I did say that, okay? And maybe I'm a little over the top sometimes when I say that, but it's, it's to stir the pot a little bit. And I do think that's idiotic to get rid of a guy because of music that was being played. That is the definition of soft. And if I, I, if I offended you and you're not going to listen... I'm sorry about that, but I have a sneaking suspicion you'll be back, and we will welcome you back. But I stand by my statement there. Now some texts at 936-6262, the number to text brought to you by Capital Ford Lincoln. Sure don't need to take a breath for a second there. No, sorry, Abby. I just, uh, well, you know what? I don't, (laughs) sometimes, you know what? I do a morning show on our rock station, and I'm, I'm a little on the edge, and then I come here, and it's a bit of a different audience, but the passion, like, I just, You've been in love. Do you really think the coach picked the music? Like, come on. There's got to be something more to this story. No, there's definitely more to this story. I don't think he picked the music. Uh, I will say that 
you know, he's probably is responsible for, mm-hmm. you know, the music. Like, he's not picking it, but you got to be aware. I got friends that are high school coaches, mm-hmm. and, you know, the the kids are listening to tunes that, you know, they got, there's lots of profanity in it. Yeah. And you got to be very, very careful, because if you're doing a practice outside and you're blasting those tunes, uh, the neighborhood and the kids around it are going to hear that. You're, so it's, you're very, it's a fine line. That's very right? smart, and that is true, and that is the other side of the coin, so that's a, that's a measured response. Because, actually, last summer, my son and I were playing catch North Lake Ridge, like way up there in a field. And he's like, dad, mind if he's got his shirt off. He's running around 20 something year old guy said, Hey, can I put on some music? Yeah, sure. He's got his Bluetooth speaker. Well, the kids like Drake. He puts on Drake. I don't have to tell you what Drake sings about. (laughs) I said, Ethan, we need to pot this down. Can we put on some George Strait or something? Because like, give me a break, man. We're too we're two white dudes in the park. We can't. What you were saying, you know what I mean? Yeah, and you you're just, right. you got to watch. And that's I, I think. I mean, I don't know the full story, but uh, you know, if if he was asked to step down or he just was honorable enough and said, you know what? Okay, I may. Yeah, know, I, I think there was probably that. That might have been a that could have been a crescendo of things. I don't know, yeah. but we're not getting the whole story. And they said it's a private employment matter. Yeah. So on them. So it is what it is. All yeah. right, I got a text here from Dave. Hey, Ballsy. Uh, thanks to, to CKRM for putting on some great sports cage shows. I love the local content. Uh, Packers made out better. The Packers made out better between the Seahawks, the Packers, the Commanders, and the uh, Denver Broncos. They they signed the guy, 153 million Aaron Rodgers, guaranteed. But I will remind you, Abby, Aaron Rodgers since 2009 has as many playoff wins as Tim Tebow. Think about that for a minute. It'd be way more entertaining if uh, Zinger was here today because obviously I know. he's extremely passionate about oh, the I Packers. Oh, I know. I know. I'm sad that he's not. Uh, this is uh, Scott. In answer to your question of the day, Packers made out better. Wilson might be the worst quarterback in the AFC West, and he definitely could be. A little later on, we're going to play Russ or with Farhan Lalji, we'll get him to compare quarterbacks and who he'd take. For instance, will you take Russell Wilson or Deshaun Watson? So that's a very good one. I know how I would weigh in. This from Amber at 936-6262. I don't care much about Wilson or Rodgers. I'm a 49ers fan. Do you think Tom Brady will play for his favorite team growing up? And how do you feel about the Riders quarterback position? I was looking at the NFC. So Rodgers plays in the worst division in football, okay, with the with the Vikings and the Bears and the Lions, like as if he was leaving. He's got the Tom Brady free pass. Remember when Brady and Belichick, AFC East, they'd yeah. always be in the playoffs. Yeah. So he wasn't going anywhere. But you look at it, you got him, you got uh, Prescott, you got Stafford, you got Cousins. Like there's nobody there. Why wouldn't Brady come back? The 49ers, they were like a a whisker away from being in the Super Bowl. And he just slept at his family home underneath his old boyhood poster of Joe Montana. Tom Brady's coming back to the 49ers. You can book that, Abby. <laughs> All right. As for the Riders quarterbacks, I mean, you and I love Cody. We're Cody Fajardo guys. 100%. Um, they say this fine kid's going to be good. They got this tall kid, uh, uh, Dolagala, former Packer guy that Zinger's talking about, played for the Bengals. Time will tell. I do know you generally need two guys to win a championship. Uh, I don't know that we have two uh, behind Cody. That does concern me. It'll be a fun ride. And this one, 
from an unnamed person. Please don't use my name in the air, Ballsy. I heard your rant yesterday about the coach resigning over music, and I agree the world is soft, but I don't think all people in authority and in the university are soft. The world has changed. Just like you can't coach people like you used to, you got to run institutions and businesses a certain way. And I'm a longtime manager, and it's not easy. You're a manager. You're a leader. You don't want to be called the boss, Abby. You're a leader. Yeah. Has it changed from the time even you got into radio and now managing people? E- well, even being on the radio, I mean, you, I mean, truthfully, <laughs> yeah, you got yeah. you you got to be really careful about what you say and how you say. Well, things that that, that and, first email I talked about, yeah. I would have thought nothing of that three years ago, and now you know now we got a an email because the world has changed. Yeah. It really has changed. Yeah, for sure. But um, you know, the, we talk a lot about mental health and bullying and stuff and it's very easy to you know when you maybe feel like somebody might feel like you're attacking them or whatever yep. mm-hmm. uh, you look at Cody Fajardo for example yeah. I mean he has a bad game and everybody's all over him all over social media mm-hmm. and it really it, it gets to the guy right yeah. so it's just people got to be really careful with their words whether they you know think they're you know right or not, or not yeah but, uh, yeah no that's a good point it has it definitely the world it has impact for sure it certainly does so those are some texts you are, uh, can weigh in on anything 936-6262 the number to text and like i said if you ever wanted to call 936-6262 in town toll free out of town 1-866-767-0620 on the other side we'll try to hook up on the western pizza hotline with tsn correspondent farhan lalji here on 620 ckrm and welcome back to the Sports Cage, and it's brought to you by our good friends at Spreads.ca. Thanks to them for getting on board. Finding excellent online betting should not be a gamble. Spreads.ca is Canada's premier online betting destination. We're just getting ready to get a hold of Farhan Lalji. Yeah, he's, uh, he just needs like about a minute. He's okay, set, good. So. We'll wait for him. Uh, we're going to talk to him about the goings-on in the NFL, the $153 million guaranteed contract that Aaron Rodgers signed. Uh, well, it's $200 million, but $153 guaranteed, although he's denying that. Carson Wentz traded today to the Washington Commanders uh, from the uh, Indianapolis Colts, and of course uh, the Denver Broncos acquiring Russell Wilson yesterday in in uh, a deal that saw a bunch of players picks and three players going over to the Seattle Seahawks. So uh, yeah, it's going to be a very interesting time in the NFL. As I look at it, there are Indy needs a quarterback for sure. Pittsburgh needs a quarterback for sure. Seattle does, even though they got Drew Locke in that trade. Tampa and the Saints. And the 49ers are in the mix there, too. They've got Trey Lance, the former uh, North Dakota state quarterback like Wentz was. But I'm not sure they're ready to turn over the uh, keys to the former... uh, That's uh, the son of former Rough Rider Carlton Lance, by the way, the former defensive back. So I'm not sure they're ready to turn the keys over to him. They're done with Jimmy G. And Brian Greasy has left the broadcasting booth. Now he was forced out because Troy comes in there. But he's taking over, taking a huge pay cut to be an assistant coach in uh, San Francisco. And I'm thinking that's not the coach, Trey Lance. Let's head out to the Western Pizza Hotline. And we'll start there with our buddy Farhan Lalji. I want to get to some hockey, too, before we're done with you, Farhan. But, uh, yeah, yeah, I don't think Brian Greasy's going to San Francisco to be an assistant coach to help out uh, Trey Lance. I'm sorry. I think... Tom Brady, his old teammate, is coming back to play for the 49ers. Uh, maybe. Uh, you know, I, I, I'm not sure that that's going to happen, and I, I certainly don't believe Tampa Bay is going to let that happen easily if, in fact, he does want to come back. And Yeah, there's some, air, some thought that both he or Aaron Rodgers could have closed their careers in the Bay Area where they're both from. Obviously, that's not going to happen with, with Rodgers, but 
I don't know, man. Like, I, I, I don't – I'm trying to figure out why Tom Brady is keeping all this alive because I think at the end of the day, uh, Tom Brady is not planning to put the offseason in that he normally puts in to get ready for a football season in his mid-40s, right? Like, that guy's maniacal about his training and his, you know, his overall body conditioning and everything that he does to get ready for a season. If that's not part of the plan, like, I don't see Tom Brady coming back just so that he can um, – you know, finish up that way, right? Like, he's not going to want to taint his legacy. He's going to want to be all in. And when he's all in, all in means 12 months. All in doesn't just mean the season. So I got to believe it to see it, um, or see it to believe it, I should say. And I'm just not there yet. I'm not sold that that's going to happen. I know we like talking about Tom Brady. Nobody wants to Hmm. really think that it's over and we're done seeing it. Maybe he can win a Super Bowl with another team. And certainly San Francisco set up with a pretty good roster outside of the quarterback position. So, is, is it possible? Sure, but I'm I'm still not taking money on that bet. Indy, Pittsburgh, Seattle, Tampa, the Saints, they all need quarterbacks. Now, there are names out there. Jimmy G is done with the 49ers. Uh, Jameis Winston's a free agent. Mitch Trubisky, Deshaun Watson, Tyrod Taylor, Teddy Bridgewater. Uh, let's All l- trash, except <laughs> for Deshaun Watson. All trash. Yeah, they're not very good. say that again? They're not very good, right. no. No, but okay, well, but... Like- I, like, I see a Mitch Trubisky. He seems to... I think Mitch Trubisky, if you want me to honestly make a prediction, he ends up in Indianapolis. That's where I think he ends up. Yeah, look, it, it's, a, it's, a, it's a strong possibility. I've heard Jimmy G's name tied to Indianapolis as well. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, they're a team that believes they've got a roster ready to do a lot more, and I don't think they want to necessarily go with a rookie. And what really complicates the entire market is the draft, right? And mm-hmm. the draft is seen as a, it's a group of quarterbacks that are seen as average, just a lot of holes. But I just have to believe some of these guys are going to get overvalued because of the desperation at the position right now. Because, you know, going into the combine, there were eight teams that desperately needed a quarterback. And all that's happened is we've, we've flipped Washington as one of those teams, and now it becomes Seattle, right? So there's still a lot of teams that need them. And, you know, I know I watched Malik Willis, and yeah. you know I've liked Malik Willis's film, and I think he's dynamic, and you know he's a really good runner, and he's got a live arm. But then watching him throw at the combine, I was horrified at his throwing mechanics. Like his footwork is tragic, absolutely tragic, really? and that it's just horrible. Like people are comparing him to Patrick Mahomes, and it's not even close. Like Mahomes had. You know, just they, they were concerned about his decision making. You know, and a little bit about his his arm path and slots and things like that. But if you just watch the throws from the combine and how high he kicks up his leg and swings his body all the way across, no wonder Malik Willis has accuracy issues. Right now, you know, can can he fix it? Maybe. You know, he he might. And the the thing with with Willis is the ceiling is so high, and nobody wants to be Ryan Pace who got fired for taking Mitch Trubisky ahead of Patrick Mahomes, right? Right. Uh, you know, the, the Mahomes model is going to elevate Willis because teams are going to overlook the flaws because of the ceiling. Yeah, no, that, 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 that's a good point. So that's, uh, how about this? How about this? Pittsburgh takes kind of like a... Uh, who's, Pittsburgh's going to take him. Yeah, uh, yeah. Pitts, up to take Malik Willis. Yeah, that's what I think, and I agree with you. So Pittsburgh takes Malik Willis. I got Trubisky to Indy. I got Jimmy G to Tampa. I've got Jameis staying in New Orleans, and I got Deshaun Watson ending up in Seattle. I think that's a pretty good formula right there. Uh, could be. Could be. I, I don't hate that, but here's the problem with Seattle, right? They're going to have to give the same package they got for Russell Wilson back for Deshaun Watson 
if his if his criminal situation clears itself up. But don't they and need? But don't they need? Don't they? Sorry for cutting you off, Farhan. Don't they need a Deshaun Watson in that division? That's a, with Kyler Murray. If he stays with Arizona, you got uh, Stafford. Like you need somebody. You can't compete with Drew Locke. Give me a break. No, you can't. And look, and I, I certainly don't believe that's the answer for them. However, one of the reasons they stepped off of Russell Wilson is they don't want to pay him fifty million next year, mm-hmm. right? Because that's where the extension would have started at. And Deshaun Watson, once he has his one year of redemption, it's going to happen for him as well. So do they want to go down that road at the quarterback position? You wind up giving up all the draft capital that you desperately need to fix so many other holes on the roster. And when they, you know, when they traded Russell Wilson, I thought, okay, there's enough money that they're going to get Bobby Wagner re-signed, and maybe it doesn't become a total rebuild. Well, it's a total rebuild. And so do you want to do that? With Deshaun Watson, who's right in the prime, you may be a couple of years away from competing. So, look, if they got him, it'd be great. Right from a football standpoint, it's a home run. You get a younger player that, quite frankly, has way more physical tools than he, than Russell Wilson, in my mind. Mm-hmm. Right, like more arm talent and more athletic ability, and at a younger at a younger stage. Right, so he's fully capable of doing it. Um, but again, in terms of what that'll eventually cost. The opportunity cost, both in terms of cap and draft capital, because, you know, when you look at the what the Seahawks received, factor in $35 million, right? And I know that won't be what they get this year because there's dead cap money, but a year, right, that's what they're saving and potentially $50 million because that's what you'd have to pay in an extension. So you just, you almost wonder where the fit lies, but look, he's a great player and everyone's going to be after him. Yeah, okay. Uh, this is Farhan Lalji from TSN joining us, a correspondent with uh, outstanding correspondent in a number of sports. We'll get to hockey in a minute before we wrap up. Let's play a little game, shall we, Farhan, <laughs> called Russ or. I'll get you to choose whether you take Russell, Wilson, or this quarterback I put on your plate, okay? And okay. we'll just keep it in the AFC since that's where he is, and we'll consider yeah. Deshaun Watson part of the AFC since he is. If you're okay. a general, and just take it right now, today, 33-year-old Russell Wilson, do you take Russ or Deshaun Watson? Uh, if the legal issues are cleared, Deshaun Watson. Okay. Russ or Lamar Jackson? Russ. Okay, I agree. Better, uh, he can run around still, maybe not as much, but he can run around still, uh, more durable, and the, although he did have an injury last year, and dude can uh, dude can throw the football better than Jackson. Uh Russ or Josh Allen? Josh Allen. Okay, I agree. Barely, but I agree. Russ or Joe Burrow? Now, just now, just now, next couple of years. Russ today. Okay, good. Uh, I think I know the answer to this one. We'll go in his own division. Russell Wilson or Derek Carr? Russell Wilson. Okay. Russell Wilson or Justin Herbert? Justin Herbert. Yeah, I do too. And that's close for me. That's yeah. close for me. 100%. Barely, barely, but he does. And Russell Wilson or Patrick Mahomes, who's, I don't want to uh, say. You, I, I'm, I'm going to get off the phone if you actually ask me that as a serious question. Okay. Well, I had to ask it. I had to ask it. But uh, Patrick hey, Mahomes with a bullet, not even close. You don't think, you don't think, I agree, but you don't think Patrick Mahomes, there's a little bit of, a, there's a chink in the armor a little bit here, what you've seen? Uh, recently, like he's not as flawless as he was when everybody was talking about him. Well, look, the second half of their game against Cincinnati was the worst football I've ever seen Patrick Mahomes play, like mm-hmm. the worst. Um, but it's one half of football in four years, 
and and I'm just not I'm not willing to believe that that's who he is and that's what he is. He's going to bounce back. He's got tremendous talent, tremendous mental toughness. He's got everything it need. It, you need to be great and stay great. And you know, to be truthful, he looked like Russell Wilson in that half because he did all the crazy pirouette nonsense that Russell does to lead. That you know, Russell yeah. takes a five yard sack and turns it into a fifteen yard sack, right? And yeah. Mahomes Mahomes did that in that game, which is not what he normally does. So. But I, I have to believe that's an anomaly based on everything else I've seen. Okay, one more quick one about football before we wrap up with the Canucks. So, Russell Wilson and the Denver Broncos, are they the best team in the AFC West now? Uh, no, I still think I still think the Kansas City Chiefs are. Um, I still think um, that offense with, uh, with Hill and uh, Kelsey and, you know, the, the options they've got at running back, and how they've upgraded their offensive line, I think it's better. Denver's defense is better. But uh, overall, if you ask me if those two teams play, I'm still taking Kansas City to win that game. And, and I think Kansas City is going to improve more in free agency in the draft than Denver will because they have the room to do it. And, and you know, there, there's areas there where they're going to wind up being able to fix some things. I think Denver's going to find it a little tougher now. All right, so uh, let's get to hockey before we get you off the phone here. Farhan, the Vancouver Canucks take on the Montreal Canadiens. The Canadiens doing everything they can to get out of the cellar, which (laughs) doesn't look so great when you want to have a good shot at the first overall pick, but they're playing well for Martin St. Louis. And the Vancouver Canucks have one of the best winning percentages since Bruce Boudreaux took over that team. They are in the playoff mix. Yeah, I, I, they are, but there's a lot of work still for them to do to get there. Like, this team's got no margin for error. They've got to play basically at a 660, 670 clip uh, the rest of the way to get in. And I know they've done that, but the underlying numbers lead you to believe it might not be sustainable, right? Now, um, you know, we, we know how good Thatcher Demko has been, but the other thing that's happened to this team since the All-Star break is they've started scoring. Mm-hmm. In fact, in Demko's last three starts, he's given up nine goals, and he's won all three games, right? Yeah. Whereas before, the formula was they got to ride Demko to two-to-one wins. So, um, you know, they're doing some good things. There's a belief there. You know, tonight is the type of game where they would stub their toe. Like, I'm curious to see if that happens. You look at their last trip, they beat the three best teams and lost to the worst team on their schedule, right? Yeah. Uh, so, you know, it could potentially happen tonight. We'll see. But, um, yeah, I mean, JT Miller's playing at a crazy good level. Uh, the Canucks fan base is really excited that Elias Pettersson in the last uh, six weeks, his game has been resurrected, right? So that's a good thing for them. But, I mean, defensively, this team is still really, really bad outside of Quinn Hughes, right? Like, they simply don't transition the puck well. They can't get it out of their own zone. Their they're top nine has the potential to be good, but they don't get the puck cleanly enough to score. They've got a real, you know, punt-and-hunt philosophy because that's just all their D's capable of, and, yeah. and that just ends to a lot of just not enough puck possession. So, you know, we'll see if they can sustain some of that. And you know, But I'll tell you, what they're doing now is certainly making it difficult for management to make the changes they probably envisioned they'd be making at the trade deadline that now they might have to hang on for a bit. Hmm. That's been Farhan Lalji on our Western Pizza Hotline. Thanks, uh, Farhan. We'll talk to you next week. All right, look forward to it, my man. We'll have more of the Sports Cage. And we'll stay with the TSN theme. Glenn Suter's on deck. This is the Sports Cage for spreads.ca on 620 CKRM. The kings of Saskatchewan sports talk. This is the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. Time to continue this show. Brought to you by spreads.ca and head out on the Western Pizza Hotline. 
And our segment with Glenn Suter brought to you by Quality Tire with 10 locations across Saskatchewan, qualitytire.ca. Yeah, it is Mr. Telemiracle, Glenn Suter. Are you rested up? Did you have a nice sleep? Yeah, I uh, I think it, it added up to about 12 hours straight when oh. <laughs> it was all said and done. So I, I did get a good sleep, but... Uh, yeah, you know, I, hey, before we go any further, Ballsy, I've got to mention, uh, he asked me to say hi to Ballsy, and his name is Bob, and I'm going to mess up the name of the Elk Club, but it's Strainer, I think? Oh, stra- uh, yeah, Strainer, yeah, Strainer, Strainer, yeah. Strainer Elks Club, he said that you've been up there to, mm-hmm. just outside of Kindersley, it's it's uh, Plenty, Saskatchewan, and right. Backland, Saskatchewan, and I was talking to Bob today about the speaking engagement in early April up there that I'm looking forward to going up and, you know, talking some football with the good folks in, in Plenty and Macklin. And um, Bob says hi. Hi, Bob. <laughs> yeah, the great folks up there. It's a long drive, but it's good. I went actually three years ago. Ch- Charleston Hughes and I went, shared a car, drove up there, talked a lot of football, a lot about life. And, uh, yeah, it was a great time. They're, they're good folks up there. It, it really speak. You're going to – well, you knew this, but you're going to – you're going to feel the passion of Rider Nation. And the thing I always get is, you got me all. We do a call-in show. So, Suits, we do the pregame show for three hours before. And the call-in show, in addition to our... So, like, the play-by-play, uh, the play-by-play and Luke Molitor, they do their portion for an hour. And then we do ours for another two hours after. So, these folks are like, you almost got me home. And I'm like... I almost got you home, but that's why we yeah. do. But that was kind of our idea here, uh, the voice of the riders. Uh, we we you're in the car talking, right? You're talking about the game, so we might as well talk with you, get your opinion on the way home. And so that's what I've always loved about doing the call-in show because uh, you get in touch with these folks, and then you put faces to names. Um, suits. Now, there's so many things I want to unpack here. I'd ask Jim Barker about this. I don't know if you listened to the interview or not. And if you, you miss it, you, yes. you can catch it on our, uh, on our podcast later, the Sports Cage podcast. Please uh, listen, review, like, uh, do what you do with podcasts and wherever you find them. You know, you and I have talked about this. There are two leagues that have stood the test of time, the NFL, the CFL. We love our CFL football. Too many times we get wrapped up in the NFL. And I do talk NFL because it's a big story, but I like to talk CFL. But there has been concern, well, what if we lose guys? What if we do this? I want to bring this up to you. You know, what about increasing Canadians on the roster? I think we, I can't remember if we talked about it on the air. I know we have off the air, but what about, you know, what about maybe looking at adding one or two guys to the active roster? And Don Hewitt, the professor, brought this up. Scoring is down. And a lot of, a lot of guys like to, you know, coaches, they like edges. They like to manipulate their lineup. But what about mandating you have to have so many Canadians on offense and defense so you're not loading up, say, like four offensive linemen Canadian and, and not playing a guy here or playing a guy here. You, you know what I mean? Yeah, it's, it's an interesting concept, and I think that that should be discussed as to balancing out the ratio a little bit. I, I'd like to see a, a more in-depth and inclusive look at the Canadian position, Canadian quarterback position, when it comes to the ratio to make sure that if you have, you know, two on your roster, that both are are counted. Um, you know, I I've also been a proponent again of of any new revenues that the league may see in the near future, and I and I'm saying the next five years. And there should be new revenues. I mean, gambling, the new corporate agreements that have been signed, they're going to generate new revenues for all the clubs. And with, with revenue sharing, 
you're going to see uh, sort of a balancing across the league of where those new revenues will go. So let's just say hypothetically that that means the salary cap goes up. Well, then to me, the most important aspect of, of where that new money should go would be the bottom part of the roster financially. So we, we increase the minimum wage. I've talked about and we've talked about that, Ballsy, before. Mm-hmm. But what that also could do is it could add some money for a developmental squad and eventually two more players to the roster. So the developmental squad would then have two more Canadians and your global player. So your global player is now not... You can keep that global initiative you know, in a big picture way by having a developmental squad. These guys don't get game, you know, uh, league contracts. They get developmental contracts. It's minimum money. They're going to definitely have to have a second job, but they practice with the team developmental. So you get two more Canadians. And then eventually in three years, as that the new revenues build, then those two Canadians are added to the roster. And you can get more starting offensive and defensive players off the special teams. Because in order to increase the effectiveness of a star Duke Williams or, you know, defensive backs like Nick Marshall that are going to be on probably the punt cover team, probably the punt return team, if you can get those guys off the special teams, and have special teams units that are made up of the backup starters on offensive defense that are still great athletes, but they're the backups, then you, you, the injury situation drops. You have less injuries. You have your star players uh, with you know, more jump in their legs for the entire four quarters, and you will see scoring go up accordingly, and injuries for starters, star players, go down. So, you know, you, there's a lot of sort of ways to... You know, to think about that. And then it also, you know what it also does? It takes the global initiative and it puts it where I believe it should be, which is not a mandated player on the roster, but a, develop, a developmental squad. And, if, and hey, if, if Mexico or Germany or, or Finland and their football associations end up, you know, somehow becoming a, a revenue source for the Canadian Football League, and then we mm-hmm. can talk about a mandatory roster spot. But until then, I think a developmental sp- spot is is more than enough to to you know hold up our end of that deal you know um i like going to three down nation great website and they uh, have this thing called insider talk where they anonymously talk to people around the league so i don't know who made this uh, comment but it kind of co- uh, ties into what you're saying a lot quote a lot of players from around the world are starting to realize that most cfl teams don't actually play their globals and that's making it harder to get them to come over here the euros don't make a lot of money with the exchange rate they're coming here to get game film and earn a starting job not fill an arbitrary roster spot now i want to i want to piggyback this because you and i you and i hey we we get along but we also like to talk off the air and i wouldn't say it was heated but we were going back and forth about the global thing and Uh you heard my interview with john ryan and it kind of it kind of uh how do i put this you kind of i don't want to say you admitted you were wrong but you're like hey i see where you're going with this because 
Because in my conversation with John, maybe it wasn't intended to attack Canadian kickers, but it sure looks that way, doesn't it? It looks like Canadian kickers are being targeted, and I think that's a fair comment, and it comes right from John Ryan. Like, look at here. In our own town, we now will not have Regina football royalty, who, by the way, Glenn Suter, was still kicking the stuffing out of the ball and was one of the best special teams players Craig Dickinson has ever been around on either side of the border, and we're not here because the Riders got to find a way to get a global guy on the roster. Yeah, you know, I, I was phrasing it differently than you were. It, it's Unfortunately, it has affected John Ryan. Um, you know, and I, I know this was a very tough, tough decision for the organization. We've, we've heard Craig Dickinson and, and many others in the organization say how difficult a decision that was, including Jeremy O'Day. Uh, I, I would still like to have found a way to have him compete for the job. You know, I, I still think a training camp investment is worth seeing them go head-to-head again and see, you know, is John Ryan the better choice? I think that's where the competition will just decide. But, you know, I, I guess where the I think the concern for a lot of people, and, and you know, correct me, I don't want to misrepresent what you're trying to say, but mm-hmm. what people, what people are, are concerned with is, if we're adding a mandatory spot from a global player, Mexico, Europe, wherever, and the scouts that we currently have in our league are basically just recruiting or drafting punters, and no disrespect to the to the value of a punter, no, but but if if we're not bringing in linebackers, O or D linemen, DBs, receivers, then is the quality of play in Europe and Mexico high enough that we should have a mandatory spot? You know, and I, and I think that's the question you're trying to get yes. to. It's, I don't, I don't and, and when I say I phrase it differently is, I'm not saying that the, the initiative has attacked kickers specifically, but it has kind of turned out that way yeah. because we're drafting punters from the global initiative. Yeah, I mean, and let's be honest, football guys, football guys, and if you ask them anonymously, like this insider talk segment on 3 Down Nation, if you ask them anonymously, a lot of them would probably say, I don't know that the standard of play from global leagues is up to our standard, but they kind of have to find a way. So you know football guys, if they got to find a way, they're going to find a way, and maybe it's easiest to, and that's where the talent pool is, so it does look like they're attacking Canadian kickers, even though maybe that's not the intention. And maybe attack is an aggressive word, but you know what I mean. Yeah, I do. And and what I and what I would say too is is that the, you know, the that's where the developmental step. You know, a, a kid that you know, kids that are coming over, they get room and board and some spending money. Mm-hmm. And that's what they get for the developmental squad. But uh not a mandatory roster spot that you should every roster spot on every roster in pro football should be competed for. And and one more thing before we move on, I know you want to. Um, the that anonymous article deal. Yeah, can't I can't stand it. Yeah, I know, and, I know, I know you're and, that way. And, and the and the reason I can't is because if you're going to have an opinion and you're going to go after somebody, especially if you're going to criticize something in the league or a player or a broadcaster or whomever, 
then put your name behind yeah, it. Yeah, I agree, Suits, but I bring it up so it gives us talking points so we can add our opinion to it and you can add yours, and that's what you do as the lead analyst for football in Canada. When we come back, I want to talk about trades, not NFL trades, CFL quarterbacking trades with the great Glenn Suter because there have been a few that have impacted the league, including right here in Saskatchewan. We just passed the 14th anniversary of a pretty big one that affected Ryder Nation. This is the sports cage for spreads on 620 CKRM. Where Saskatchewan sports fans come to talk. This is the Sports Cage on Sports Radio 620 CKRM. All right, and our sports ticker is brought to you by Bronco Plumbing and Heating, where professional service is guaranteed. They'll treat you right, 781-2090. The Briar, Matt Dunstone lost earlier today, his first loss on Lethbridge Ice. He is 6-1, and one. that's Wild Card Team 2, representing Saskatchewan. Lost to Team Canada's Botcher, he's off tonight. Saskatchewan's Colton Flash hammered UConn 12-3. Saskatchewan plays Newfoundland and Labrador tonight. They're 4-2, got to continue that winning streak. They've won a couple of games in a row and as uh, Catlin Schneider former U of R Ram receiver who's on that rink told me we got to run the table ballsy so good luck doing that. Habs at Vancouver tonight. Oilers home to Washington and as reported earlier from Adam Schefter ESPN the Indianapolis Colts get rid of Carson Wentz after one season. They'll send a third round pick and a second round pick there and get a third round pick and a second round pick back and the commanders uh, take his entire salary. So they're in the market for a quarterback. Joining me on the Western Pizza Hotline, uh, Glenn Suter, former Ryder great and the uh, lead analyst for football in Canada on TSN. All right, Suits, uh, don't want to talk NFL trades, but I want to talk CFL trades, and we're just past the 14th anniversary, 2007 most outstanding player, Kerry Joseph went along with a third-round pick to the Toronto Argonauts in exchange for import offensive tackle Glenn January, uh, defensive lineman Ronald Flemons, Toronto's first-round selection, and Toronto's second-round selection. That was a big, shocking trade. He wanted more money. Eric Tillman thought it was time to cut bait. The Riders had a season there where they couldn't decide after uh, who their quarterback was going to be. There were a lot of broken legs. What do you remember about that trade? Well, you know, I, I remember there was a couple of that that were kind of not. I wouldn't call them head scratches, but I would call them the type of trades that you know you you are whenever you put a quarterback, especially in in the CFL, into the mix in a trade. Um, that's where the debate and the discussion really begin because you're saying, well, what was wrong? What did he did he forget how to play? Especially if he if he has won a championship with your organization. And all of a sudden, you're going to say, well, wait a minute, he, did he forget get how to be the championship quarterback that he was, you know, two years ago or last year or whatever it was? And, you know, it was the same when Ricky Ray was traded. I think many in the NFL thought, thought the same when Tom Brady is traded. And, you know, you, you start to think, you know, why, why would you take a, a bona fide starter and – and and move them now is it is it money is it contract size and and you're looking to you know rework your your salary structure um you know i think that's those are night and day different discussions in the nfl and cfl but they they are relevant to why a starting quarterback would ever be traded 
Yeah. So uh, so he goes to Toronto. Here's another interesting one. I found this one interesting. Back in the day, Dieter Brock had fallen out of favor with Winnipeg, and now it's a, like it's a nine-team league, so it's not like we're talking 32 teams. But he gets traded to Hamilton, and Tom Clements, who had gone from Saskatchewan a brief time here with the Riders, goes to Hamilton, finds out about the trade watching late-night sports because there's no social media. The Tiger Cats don't call him. He goes to Winnipeg. Those two guys meet in the Grey Cup in 84 on the frozen tundra of Commonwealth uh, Stadium, and they end up uh, mm-hmm. winning due to the Winnipeg Blue Bombers in that game. Uh, here's one, too. Uh, March 20th, 1990, Matt Dunnigan goes from the BC Lions to the Argos in exchange for D-tackle Gerald Bayless, quarterback Rick Hollywood Johnson, linebackers Willie Pless and Tony Visco, and slot back Emmanuel Tolbert and safety Todd Wiseman. And we know what Dunnigan did in 91, right? Yeah, that's way too much for Matt Dunnigan. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. That's that's one of my uh, you know best friends and one of the guys that I I would have loved to have been a teammate with is is Maddie. Uh, you know, we've as colleagues we talk all the time and and keep in touch throughout the off season and you know, I'm just I'm just a massive fan and and completely have so much respect for the way he approached the game and still does. But um you know those those trades. When you think, I mean, Bayless was a great player. I mean, Willie mm-hmm. Pless was an all-time, all-time Hall of Fame player. I mean, you know that that's giving up a lot for quarterback. But I, I would I would say this as you know, as the general manager, we all love to play general manager. So let's put our general manager hat on. If I have a starter for and and a, if I have a starter A or B, a starter that has won a championship. Boy, I, I'm making changes around him unless I see a physical and mental drop off. You know, the guy gets into the wrong things off the field, yeah. or you know, physically he's just falling apart because he's too old. You know, if you if you start to see that, then yeah. But other than that, I am doing everything in my power to keep that championship quarterback on the roster, on my roster. Yeah, no, that's a good, uh, I just, that's a good point, yeah. yeah. Yeah, for sure. Well, I mean, the quarterback is the most important position in North American sports. Goalie'd probably be second, but quarterback uh, directs everything. And how about the biggest trade in CFL history? You were you were involved in the league then. The Eskimos traded 1989 CFL most outstanding player Tracy Ham, DB's Enos Jackson and Travis Oliver, slotbacks Craig Ellis and Ken Whiney and fullback Chris Johnstone, linebacker John Davis, D-lineman Cam Brosson a draft choice to the Argos in exchange for QB Ricky Foggy, Daryl K. Smith, J.P. Esquardo, Eddie Brown, Ed Berry, D-tackle Leonard Johnson, D.B. Don Wilson, and linebacker Bruce Dixon. That's the biggest trade in CFL history, and the Eskimos, 93 champs after that trade. (laughs) That just sounds like to me, two GMs said, they were on the phone together and they said, you know what, I really like your team. And the other GM said, you know what, I, I think your team is the better team. Okay, why don't we just swap them? You, you take ours, we'll take yours. Um, yeah, that, some of them have been massive. I think, I think that Maddie trade was eight players or something like that yeah. that came across. So, you know, it's, to me, that the, the relationship between head coach and quarterback, the, the OC and quarterback, offensive coordinator, those relationships are what makes championship teams. I mean, there's a lot of great quarterbacks that have been moved and traded and won on other teams, and then there's some that have been good in their team and when traded didn't didn't work out. And that's because of that relationship. So 
again, if, if you put your GM hat on, if I do right now, I'm saying I have a championship quarterback. I'm keeping, in, keeping him. And if it's not working on my team that specific year, to me, it's the why is it not working. Maybe we need a new OC. Maybe we look at our head coach and the relationship between the quarterback and coach. But players win. And championship quarterbacks that lead you to a championship, uh, you know, are, are a big piece of the pie as to why. Yeah. Okay. And lastly, um, uh, we got about a minute or less. You guys won the 89 championship. How happy were you for Tom Burgess to go and win the next year with the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, even though it was a yeah. rival team? Yeah, I, I was, but, you know, Tommy was the type of guy that, I mean, he was crucial for us. I mean, without Tom Burgess, we're not in the cup. Yeah. I mean, Tom Burgess was the starting quarterback for the West Final against the 16-2 and Edmonton Eskimos. So without him, we're not there. And, I, you know, I, I was real happy that he did go and, and win it as the guy kind of thing. But, you know what, I, I think if you'd ask Tom Burgess, uh, he would tell you, hey, being on a championship team and contributing any way you can is what it's all about. That's what football is about, being the ultimate team player. And and if it means you cover kicks and that was your contribution, that's great. And that's just as important. Uh, you know, you and I will talk, and, and we know the importance of the quarterback. You, you, your quarterback gives you hope. And we had two that gave us hope that year. But I'll tell you what. Uh, Tommy's Tommy's ring looks just as shiny from '89 yeah. as it does from yeah. the one he won with the Bobber. That's a good point. All right, Glenn, thanks for this, man. And by the way, on the other side of six o'clock, where are they now? Wednesday, we're going to hear from your buddy Jeff Fairholm, and I'm trying to dig up some dirt on you. So make sure you listen because I am going to talk to you about that tomorrow when I have you on. Okay. You got it. All right. That's good. Take care, Baldy. Yeah, that's Suits joining us on the Western Pizza Hotline. Like I said, on the other side of 6 o'clock, we take a stroll down memory lane. It's Where Are They Now Wednesday with our buddy Jeff Fairholm. This is the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. Are you not entertained? Here we go. The official radio partner of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. This is the Sports Cage on Sports Radio 620 CKRM. Here's your host, Michael Ball. First and 10, Saskatchewan from the 35 yard line. Ken Austin is throwing deep for foul. He's got it. He'll score. Now we check in with the players, coaches, movers, and shakers who help build Canada's league. It's Where Are They Now? All right, taking a walk down memory lane with former rider great Jeff Fairholm. Jeff, I don't think I've ever asked you this before. Was 18 a significant number? If so, why? I don't remember why. It was It was what I was given when I went to college. <laughs> so, a guy from a guy from Canada going into uh, going into Tucson. They didn't care much about me, so when I walked up to my locker, that's the number I had. So it worked out well. You're lucky you <laughs> didn't get like uh, 46 or 94. Ben Cahoon was telling me when he showed up at Montreal training camp, they got his info wrong and it was, they mixed up like his birth date with like what his favorite number was or something like that. He ended up with like 46 or something. Yeah, I got lucky with 18. Yeah. I was going to be a running back at the time, too. So. All right. What was your favorite number going into getting selected for number 18? 
Um, before getting selected number eighteen, yeah. I was I was thirty two in high school. So I and I was a running back at the time. So I was kind of hoping for thirty two. But uh, like I said, you know, beggars can't be choosers. So I didn't care. Well, you ended up uh, not being a beggar. You ended up being a chooser. But how do you go from running back to slot back? Well, I went from that's a good question. Um, when I was in training camp. Uh, everybody at the wide receiver will be called the Z position, the flanker in college. Um, everybody got hurt except for the starter. And I was catching the ball while coming out of the backfield. So they threw me over there and said, go catch some balls. And I uh, ended up second string um, my freshman year and then never looked back. I started my three years after that. So who kind of brought you along as a receiver? Like which, which coach maybe in college or in your career <laughs> made you the best version of yourself? Boy, you're asking her some really good questions today, Michael. I try. Um, I try. Yeah, I, I tell you, I, I had a mentor. The, the guy I played behind, his name was Jay Dobbins. Uh, he never played professionally, but he was a senior when I was a freshman, and he took me under his wing to his credit and really showed me the ins and outs. Um, he actually wrote a really cool book called, um, oh, my goodness, I can't remember the name of the book. He was a, he was a Hells Angel um, oh. DEA guy who, who infiltrated the Hells Angels. Uh, I'll think of the book some other time. But anyway, he was uh, he was a big influence on me. And, of course, our coach at the time, uh, Mark Lunsford, was also very instrumental in teaching me teaching me how to play wide receiver. So who helped you along when you came into the CFL with the Rough Riders? Coach, player, who took you under his his wing? Well, you're expecting me to say El- Elgard, aren't you? No, I'm wasn't. not. No, I'm not, actually. I'm not. I wanted to say you hate Elgard. <laughs> no, I would never say that. We're yeah. good friends. No, I know. Um, but but Ray, uh, you know, I watched Ray. Ray was actually when I got there, he was at the All Star game. I think it was in Edmonton, anyway. But uh, Tom Burgess took me under his wing uh, right away. We became pretty good pretty good friends, and we were working out before um, before training camp. So he he taught me sort of how to be that person, and I, I just watched and learned. Um, I'm not the smartest guy in the world, but I, I do tend to watch what's going on around me and pick up from other people. And then uh, we had. Um, uh, Goodman at the was it Goodman? Yeah, Steve. Steve Goodman. Yeah, uh, was our coach who was very detailed and he wanted it done a certain way, which Elgar hated. But it was great for me because <clears throat> I was able to learn a process, um, an exact way to waggle, uh, exact routes, and things like that, which really spoke well to me in the way that I played the game. I think we'll both correct ourselves. Goldman, right? Steve Goldman. Goldman. Steve, thank you. Steve thank Goldman. You. Well, I just want to make sure we're right here. <laughs> you and I, not the. Well, I'm not the brightest ball, but I, I, I quickly googled that. So there we go. Your dad preceded you. Everybody knows your dad. Did that give you some early pressure coming into the CFL? No, uh, my dad was always. My dad never pushed me into football. Uh, growing up as a kid, it's something that I was around constantly. I used to go to you know the Autostad and, and practices on the weekends, and really, really got to know the players. And it just sort of became ingrained in me. And I always wanted to play football. I never thought I was good enough. Um, and at, at every stage uh, when I played football, and but I, I always wanted to do it. But to his credit, my dad never, ever pushed me into it. It was just something that I always wanted to do. Jeff, when did you realize you were pretty good at it? Because there becomes a, a moment when the light bulb goes off and you're like, yeah, you know what, Like, I guess what I'm asking, when did you finally realize, hey, I belong in the professional ranks of football? Yeah, I don't think I ever did, Michael. Um, I think it's called imposter syndrome. I just learned that the other day. Uh, it's, it's, I don't think I ever did, and I think that's what always drove me to continue to work hard and, and continue to learn. I never... 
I never took anything for granted. Uh, I always knew somebody could come up and take my job right away. And uh, I just never, you know, I just never thought of myself as, as, as being that good. Now, you know, the stats and everything are nice to look back on and say, hey, you know, <laughs> you had a pretty good career. But, you know, I never really thought I was good enough. And I think that's what drove me. I grew up watching that rider team. I'm not that much younger than you, but enough to, to remember as a teen watching that. And so I've, you know, there was 18 and 81. There was Elgard. There was Fairholme. There was Austin. There was Burgess. Uh, Austin Burgess thing aside, let's go Fairholme, Elgard. You, you tell me your friends, and I believe you. It's kind of interesting. 1881. Yeah, I think half the people that like receivers like Fairholme. Half the people that like receivers like Elgard. Were you guys friends when you played, or have you become better friends after you played? I think we've become better friends after we played. I came in as as a number number two draft pick and never had to play special teams. Never really wanted to, to be honest with you. <laughs> um, but you know, and and Ray kind of took offense to that. I think uh, Ray had to had to come in and play special teams and earn his keep. And and um, I don't think he took offense to it. But he didn't really like it that much. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I tried to I tried to stay quiet about it. But uh, no, we we respected each other. We played a very different type of game. Obviously, I had to play a speed game, and he played more of a strength game. Um, but I think we, I think we complemented each other exceptionally well. I don't think there's, you'd be hard pressed to find a better combination of, of such different types of receivers. But the, the one common thing we had, in, we had in, in mind or our common goal was to have, uh, was to be a good teammates, have a good locker room, good work ethic. And, uh, you know, that's what, uh, that's what made us a good team, especially in that 89 season. We had just such an amazing locker room. Give me some dirt on suits. What do you, give me something that we don't know. We have him on three times a week and he's, you know, he tries to deflect anything about him. You got any dirt that you can air for us about suits? <laughs> that's the key word. I can't air it. Oh. <laughs> it's <just> impossible. <laughs> ask him next time. Next yeah. time you do talk to him, ask him about the practical joke he played. He and Ridgeway played on, um, all and Poli in Edmonton. Okay, I will. I'll ask him. I'll see if he can go to. I'll see if he can go to air with that. Uh, best player. Oh, he can. He be, can. Best player you ever played with, obviously Doug Flutie. What I, I assume it was. What made him the best player you ever played with? Uh, you're right. I would have to say it was Doug, and albeit it was only it was a shortened season for me in the one season. He was just he could ad lib like crazy. Uh, he would literally draw plays up in the dirt as we're in the huddle during a game. Uh, he could just make something out of nothing. He was a, just a tremendous athlete. Uh, you know, he was a, he played goalie in the off season. He could just about do anything. Uh, and he, yeah. He, and you know what? He was a great guy. He got along really well with everybody. I think he had a, uh, I think someone said he had a bad reputation coming out of somewhere, but I tell you, he was just a terrific guy. He he stayed with uh, he stayed with me and my wife during training camp and when we were in uh, outside of Toronto there. And he just you know he could just throw the ball any way you want. He could scramble. Uh, very smart. Knew the defenses. He just was a total package. Do you stay in touch with him anymore? Uh, once in a while, we we chat online. Once in a while, um, I told him to get me on his podcast, but I'm not big enough. His his, his bar isn't low enough for that. Yeah, yet, he's so. uh, he's uh, definitely <laughs> taken off. Uh, he, he's a guy that likes to do a bunch of different things. Tell the people what you're doing now. It is where are they now, Jeff? 
Well, I've, I've been working for the last 19 years for a company out of Calgary called Evans Consoles, and uh, my territory was all of Canada. Now it's just Western Canada. I'm starting to slow down a little bit, and uh, what we do is design and furnish command and control rooms. So things like 911 centers, air traffic control towers, things like SAS Power, RCMP 911 centers, things like that. Oh, wow. Interesting. Very good. Okay, yeah. you still watch the league. I think it's awesome that the Edmonton Elks have brought back the double E on their helmet. I don't know if you've had a chance to see this yet, but it's slick. And that's the one thing about the name change I was kind of disappointed in. I didn't mind the antlers, so to speak, but it's like that EE. I know you hated it when you played against it, but it stands for championships. And like, it's an iconic logo. It is. And, you know, my history, and as you mentioned earlier, my dad played, so I grew up with the CFL, and it's near and dear to my heart. And it's great to see that the EE is back. Yeah, he's right. I can't stand them. But it's... um it's nice to see that. I did not like the antlers. Uh, I just had trouble looking at it, and that's probably because it's, it's just not what it has been in the past. But, uh, yeah, I'm happy to see it back. Uh, very traditional looking, nice and big. And, you know, hopefully they're not as good on the field as their helmets look. Were you surprised that they went in all 2017 and signed a Darius Bowman, Emmanuel Arsenault, and Deron <laughs> Carter? Uh, not when I saw who they hired as a head coach. No. Um, so, <laughs> what did you? Hey, what did you think of that hire? Um, I'll go no comment on oh, that. Okay. Let's just say I'm not a big fan of his. So, but do you think? But in in another aspect, to be fair, do you think it's it's good for the league because it brings energy and excitement? It seems along with that and their new president, they're selling season tickets and more people are talking about the Elks than they were for the last couple of years. Yeah, I really like their new president from what I've from what I've read and seen on online. Um, I you know there there's no such thing as bad news, right? So as long as the CFL is being talked about, <clears throat> excuse me, and the Edmonton Eskimo or Edmonton Elks are being spoken about, yeah. um, you know there's there's no such thing as bad news. So uh, it's good to be it's good to be front and forward and, and allow the league to to prosper that way. Two more quick questions for you as a Canadian receiver, you must be uh, smiling like a butcher's dog when you watch the Riders and see them playing more Canadian receivers than they need to, i.e., have Canadian starting receivers more than they need to. Yeah, I do. I love that. Uh, I love the fact that, that there are so many good Canadian receivers out there and that the riders have them. Uh, and, it, you know, it's great for the, the ratio, too, because it allows you, if you have good Canadian receivers, you can play an American somewhere else that um, that would prop you up. And it's, uh, you know, it's nothing nothing but good things. And, you know, <clears throat> I was asked the question the other day, you know, do you, do you mind being called a Canadian receiver? And my answer is no. I mean, you know, the numbers will stay, you know, will stack up against anybody as you move along but uh, i'm very proud to be canadian and they should be too and you know being called a canadian receiver is a good thing yeah but some people might and i don't like this some people might call you you're not a true canadian receiver jeff for this reason because you went to a big time american school so you got big time american training and i think that's part of our canadian i'm not just listen i'm not diminishing what you did and the training you got but what i don't like is the other side of the coin where they diminish the kids that don't go away and play here in canada because there's some really good football players i think of a brad sinopoli who carved out a pretty good career well absolutely i mean i think it's i think it's a matter of being of being able to come in and start right away rather than having to pay your dues and, and learn you know, learn for a year or two. Uh, I went down, you know, anyone that wants to argue that I'm not a Canadian receiver, I'm happy to have that conversation. Yeah. Um, I was born, raised in, in, in Canada, um, did everything. I, you know, I spent four years in the States going to school, but that was because I 
I got lucky to get a scholarship to the, to my father's alma mater, actually. Yeah. And, you know, so I got some great training, um, got to play for, you got to start for three years, and that's what allowed me to, to come into the league and start right away. Uh, I think that anybody that's in the, you know, going to a Canadian university, there's nothing wrong with that at all. I'm not dissing that one, one single bit. But it may take a little bit to maybe take a year or two to, to, to start rather than coming in right away. Hey, I want to ask you, Keen Schaefer Baker, that big stud uh, Canadian receiver from Guelph had a great year. Uh, you know, as the season goes on, maybe tailed off a bit, but that's understandable because you play way more games as a pro than you do as a, as a university player. And that's kind of one of those things where that's hard to, uh, I mean, you, you can't train for that. You can't train for the extra football wear and tear uh, going from university to uh, the pros. what did you think of him? He, uh, he looks like uh he looks like a pro oh for sure he does he i've i've watched you know i watch football a little bit differently than your average bear and yeah you know whenever they pan back and they they highlight somebody i watch how i watch how he runs routes and how he how he stems and how he works the, the dbs and things and he's he's quite the package and uh he's got everything going for him just uh you know you have to keep your nose clean you have to say the right things you have to learn you have to be a good teammate um but as a receiver and you know this you've got a son going you know play, trying to play a receiver i think he's a db now right yeah but, safety um yeah safety but anyway you know what i'm saying to be a receiver and to be productive you have to wait your turn the offensive you know defense has to get the ball the offensive line has to block the quarterback has to read the right defense you have to read the right defense you have to throw the ball and you know what if you're lucky enough to catch it you get the stat but and, you know he's got he's got the full package but you have to be able to you have to be able to take it all in and if you're not uh, if you're not getting the ball uh, you know in a game then you just have to deal with it and you know learn how to block Okay, uh, so Fairholm, we can talk for for days, and I'll I'll have you on again. But uh, you're you're in the waggle, you're in the slot. What's the one route that nobody can cover you? Oh, I'm running a post, yeah. <laughs> post or a post corner. Post. You know, I was I love the post. I love the post corner. It all depends on on what the defense was giving me at the time. But uh, I learned how to run the post corner um, from that guy I mentioned earlier, that Jay Dobbins back in college, and and from that point on, it was just uh, it was a money it was a money route for me. Jeff Fairholm, thanks for this, man. We'll chat soon. Okay, thanks, Michael. Got a comment or need to get something off your chest? Call or text the Capital Ford Lincoln text line now at 306-936-6262. It's the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. All right, time to uh, wrap this show up, and we'll do with a thing we call the Pick 6 After 6. We look at six sports stories, ballsy, along with uh, our leader, our PD, uh, uh, Abby White, who's on the other side of the glass, filling in for Sean Kleisinger. Uh, can you call up cart number YS53? I'm sorry, I should have told you that before. Uh, we'll get to that a little in a little bit. So, um, the, the question I've been asking, who did better, the Broncos, the Packers, the Seahawks, or the Washington Commanders. Do you follow football enough to wait, like NFL Abby, enough to? Yeah, enough. Yeah. Yeah. So, so do you think the Broncos? Like, usually the star player that's in the trade is the guy. Like, who, who do you think made better, Packers or the Broncos? Because they got the two best guys in this deal. So we're just saying Packers. Yeah, and Broncos just, oh, right pa now? yeah, pa Packers Broncos. Who do you think did better off retaining Aaron Rodgers, two-time MVP in Green Bay, even though it's for a lot of cash? Or Russell Wilson going to Denver, who have a pretty good roster, actually. Yeah, I'd say I th I think Green Bay. I mean, there's just familiarity there, and yeah. uh, he's been their guy. And I know that you know you you took the shot there that hasn't you know won a lot in the yeah. playoffs for yeah. uh, for a long time, but he's definitely got him there, and they've 
they've been a, a force. So, I mean, I think yeah. you just got to go with what you uh, got you there. Right? Number two on the pick six, baseball. Are you a big fan of baseball? Uh, enough, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, on a scale of one to ten, do you think we have a season? What do you think it is between one and ten? Yeah. Uh, I can say probably a seven. Yeah, I agree, but I think it might be 60 games, which would be great news for my Padres because they were good in a 60-game uh, season. It sucks for baseball in Canada, though, because yeah. Montreal, 94-95, yep. they were going to win the whole thing, and the Jays are on the upswing, and now they're the league shut down again. Yeah, it's conspiracy. I think it is. Get right. our tinfoil well, hats Canada's on. starting to do well. We better That's shave. right. Better... So I, do you agree with this? Curling is the best TV sport. Because you can watch the guys real time, strategize. You know what shots they're going to make. Like I think it's the best TV viewing sport. Would you agree? Just uh, watching. I, I don't it? think I'd agree with that. I think uh, you know, there's other sports I like watching okay. on TV, but I, it is you know, I've obviously become a you know, I'm a curling fan, and yeah, and, and the coverage is very cool because you know when they take their timeouts and they start talking about shots. Well, that's what and I if mean. You understand that, the that's game, what I mean. Like you're you're, there. you're yeah. into it. So, what's your least favorite sport to watch on TV? Just in general. For me, it's soccer. I can't get yeah, into soccer. Yeah, I, I, soccer or basketball for me, probably. Yeah. I mean, unless unless it's, you know, like I, I watched some of the Canada games there yeah. recently, and I kind of got into that. And obviously when the Raptors had their run, I would watch some basketball. But in general, if it's just a regular game, I just i am not interested. Okay, number four in the pick six. The Golden State Warriors got a surprise yesterday when Will Ferrell... Dressed up like Jackie Moon, Jackie Moon from his semi-pro movie, and he was guarding like Clay Thompson in warm-ups. Then he took the ball and went back to midcourt and sank it. Yeah, I know. That is cool. So here's my question for you, Abby. Why didn't he kiss the ball first? That's right. No. What? What's... That is, to me, the most underrated <laughs> sports movie of all time. Semi-pro. Yes. What is it? Do you agree, or do you have another underrated sports movie? Um. Yeah, I mean, that would be one for sure. I, I look forward to when it shows up on TV because mm. I just, for whatever reason, mm. I thought that one was uh, mm. was fantastic. Uh, I really liked actually Invincible with Mark Wahlberg. That's a good one. <laughs> with the, they, uh, the 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 uh, Eagles what? one. Yeah, yeah Vince uh, Papaya, the the receiver. Yeah, with the Eagles, uh, with Dick yeah. Vermeil as the coach. That's a good one, Abby. I like that. Way to go, leader. Uh, okay, we talked about federal agents seizing uh, counterfeit Super Bowl rings. Who? In, now, this one you might, you have to rack your brain. I didn't give you this one. Who is the top player that you watched that never won a championship? I have three in mind. Top player that I watched. Th- like a favorite player that you watched that never won a championship. Oh. My three are this Dan Marino, yeah. number one. Yeah. Okay, got the one Super Bowl. Uh, Dale Howard Chuck of the Winnipeg Jets, Buffalo Sabres, Philadelphia Flyers. In fact, the 1997 Stanley Cup final, he played with the Flyers. That was the only time any one of his teams had advanced past the second round. Remember, for a lot of years, it was Gretzky, it was uh, Lemieux, and then it was Iserman and Howarchuk, right? And Iserman hadn't won anything, and then he won, but Howarchuk never could get it done. And when he finally got out of Winnipeg, he got traded to the Winnipeg of America, Buffalo. Remember that? Yeah. Which are the America of... Uh, of, uh, of uh, Winnipeg, Buffalo. And John Stockton was the third one. Remember John Stockton oh, from yeah. the Utah Jazz? One of the great point guards of all time. He played his entire career, 1984 to 2003, with the Utah Jazz, with the mailman, Carl Malone. And they lost back-to-back championships uh, to Michael Jordan and the Bulls in 97-98, if you remember that. So those would be my three. Do you have one? Um. Well, I would say, I mean... 
Matt Ryan. Yeah. Falcons fan, so. yeah, you're a Falcons fan. Yeah, I know, and you ripped on him yesterday, but yeah. that's fine. We'll talk yeah. about that after the show. Yeah. <laughs> um, Jerome McGinley? There's a good one. Yeah, Iggy. And it was almost Ray Bork, too, remember? Yeah. Oh, yeah. He, he went to Colorado in 2001, I think it was, yeah. but it was almost Ray Bork, yeah. And even maybe, like, Ryan Smith. There's a good one. Bamf, Alberta, Moose Jaw Warrior. You no, know, he was Captain Canada because oh. every year the Oilers wouldn't make the playoffs, and he went and... Led uh, led Team Canada, but uh, you know yeah. again he you know put his heart and his soul that's on the a ice good, and that's was a great a good, player, that, but just never got to. Remember when he took the puck in the face against San Jose, lo- knocked out like eight of his teeth, and he came back and scored the next period in the playoffs. Yeah. What a stud! Okay, lastly, this is nothing to do with sports. If you got that cart, uh, yep. queued up. So in the states, they've got this hotline. The school in California set up a free hotline where you can. Cheer yourself up by getting a pep talk from kindergarten. So I did call it before the show. Check this out. These are kindergartners. There's nothing like kids to cheer you up in a world that's really up and down. Listen to this. Check this out. If you're feeling mad, frustrated, or nervous, press 1. Well, when you're feeling mad, you should take three deep breaths and think of things that make you happy. The thing that makes me happy is when... and I think of happy things will happen in the future, like going to a friend's house or a cousin's house. Bye. If you're frustrated, just take five minutes off. If you're frustrated, you can always go to your bedroom, punch a pillow, or cry on it, and just go scream outside. If you're nervous, go get your wallet and spend it on ice cream and shoes. If you're sad or angry, go get a cookie, a smoothie, or an ice cream. A cookie, a smoothie, or an ice cream. Hey, these kids have got it figured out. They they know already because they're right. Yeah. Eat your feelings. <laughs> is, you know, is one. And, you know, go to your bedroom and punch your pillow. Sure, yeah. why? Why? That's not a terrible idea. Cry in your pillow. They just described, eat my feelings and cry in my pillow. That just described half of my 25-year radio career, Abby. Yeah. And apparently I'm in trouble for cutting down the Falcons, but that's okay. I'll go. Uh, By the way, the, uh, the odds are out for who's going to win the Super Bowl. Yeah, not Atlanta. Well, not Atlanta, <laughs> but if you want the exact odds, go to uh, Suspended Atlanta a receiver, Kelvin Ridley. He'll give you the yeah, exact yeah, odds. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, that's the sports cage for this Wednesday. Coming up tomorrow, Sooners on the show, and we're going to be joined by the new owner of the BC Lions, Omar Dolman. He's going to join us on the cage cool. 530. So that is cool. Another breath of fresh air uh, in this league. Uh, thanks for checking us out, and we'll talk to you tomorrow.